This is TLDR Podcast, where we talk sports, MLB, NHLs, NBAs, pop culture, and nobody understands Westworld, and more. Top 10 alcoholic beverages. With your hosts, Alex. Yeah, boy. Eric. Yo. James. The San Francisco 49ers, best team in the league. Traded. Right. Oh, sit down, bud. And Tyler. Oh, damn where we do the research and trash-talking for you. What kind of cockamamie bullshit is Adam Silver thinking? <laughs> they're playing super hot right now, and they're... It's they're not finishing. Go. It's the middle of the season. Oh, I understand that, but I'm saying that they're, they're moving towards that. Welcome to TLDR Podcast, presented by Anchor. Welcome, everybody, to episode 66 of the TLDR podcast. Because we always fuck up on this, I'm going to start off with it right away. Eric is not here. Before we get, like, a segment through or whatever, and we inevitably forget that one of us is not here, Eric could not make it tonight. Hopefully, he'll be back next week. Um, but we'll check in with the boys. James, Mason Crosby favorite nfl player right now or uh how's that going <laughs> oh dude too soon man he comes out swinging really too alex soon. woke up and chose violence i was uh i was texting trading the entire game because I'm, I'm heated about this right matter score there's like what 46 seconds left on the clock and train text me and he's like too much time period <laughs> and i was like god damn you're right i know you're right but i'm not gonna acknowledge it so i didn't reply and then uh, they lost because Mason Crosby is a good kicker. Didn't break the yardage record, but he's a good kicker. And then Drayden's like, damn. And I didn't reply again. <laughs> I, was I just went to sleep. That was my day. That's all you can I mean, do. Honestly, yeah, it was great Sunday. Played a lot of beard dye. Damn, I'm freaking good at beard dye again. So that's great. <laughs> Almost went to bench football to Trayden, but I lost to Trayden. And the day just kind of was great up until Mason Crosby hit the field with three seconds left on the clock. I mean, you were already bitching yeah. halfway through the game. So that's, I mean, it was already kind of turning into a shit show. No, it was a shit show in the first quarter. <laughs> it was 10 0 in the first quarter. I was like, ugh. <laughs> they picked it up. But yeah. Other than that, Mason Crosby, honestly, great kicker. Huge respect. I didn't like the way that ended, but that's all right. It's week three. Yeah, it is week three. In case uh, you never actually said what team, so the Mason Crosby kicks for the Packers, beat the Niners. I'm assuming James cried. I wasn't there. In my, I'm going to picture that James cried, and no one can tell me any different. Uh, trade in. <laughs> the Ryder Cup, I did watch a whole zero amount of that, but I did see that Team USA did win. Um, what Did you watch any of it? How was that? Yeah, it seems like I, mean, uh, I heard that Bryson and Brooks hugged it out. I know yeah. that's a thing. That's a golf thing that I know. That's yeah, hugging is good. good. Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean they, they kind of set they kind of you know set well set their differences apart at least for one week one weekend when they actually needed to be a team you know be a team. But I mean I really watched more on Friday and I watched a little bit on the Sunday morning um, individual stuff. Um, it, I mean just like we were saying, the, the United States is just stacked with with such up and coming talent like i'm not i'm really not shocked it's finally uh, time for us to get you know pu- you know pull through it's been you know i think we're like one in three in the last four before this year so it's about time that you know something broke through and we just dominated <laughs> it just seemed like 
Um, Bryson was putting on a fucking show and I, you know, say, I'll say what I want about him. The, the guy just knows how to command a, an audience and I, and I give him props for it, especially when you're, when you're donning the red, white, and blue. Yeah. I mean, from what I understand, like golf is sort of dying in our age group. So like any, any, like people watching golf on television, James, like nobody, like generally people our age do not do that. And any amount of like controversy or showmanship or whatever that can get people to watch good on it. Like do your thing, you know? Uh, and then Tyler, one more week of baseball before the postseason. We're going to get into it in just a little bit. How are you feeling? You know, how was your weekend? All that fun stuff. Yeah, weekend was good. Went down to Carlsbad, visited uh, Justice Fan for the weekend. It was it was much needed. Got a full two days off. It was great. Good, uh, good, good reset. Yeah, baseball last week. It's crazy. We're already here. Last week of the season. Uh, still a lot to be decided. I'm um, gonna enjoy it while it's you know regular season baseball, and then once Oct- once the calendar turns, then it's gonna get real insane. So uh, it was just where I will be going to the Dodger game on Friday night with my dad. Uh, so that'll be fun. Uh, so enjoy that last regular season Dodger game of the, of, of the season and getting ready for some postseason baseball is going to be real fun. Yeah. Shout out to Gary, the legend, <laughs> yes. the legend that is Gary. Yes. Um, we're going to take a quick break and then we're, we're going to get right into baseball. Ollie, shut up. Uh, we're going to get right into baseball. Uh, but we'll be right back. All right, everybody, it is the final week of baseball, and that means Tyler's last regular season. Oh, damn. Tyler, take it away. Thank you. This will, as Alex said, the last regular season, last oh, damn, the 2021 season. Uh, so let's get right into it. Um, the first one is more about uh, a specific event that happened that transpired between the Tampa Bay Rays and the Toronto Blue Jays, a good heated division matchup there. Uh, Kevin Kiermaier of the uh, Tampa Bay Rays uh, had a little bit of an interesting moment and a little bit of retaliation since benches cleared. Uh, it was pretty, it was unique. I don't think I've ever seen this particular type of play happen, this particular situation happen. So uh, basically what happened was Kevin Kiermaier uh, was running the bases. He eventually got tagged out of home plate on a crazy play, slid in the home plate. Obviously, you know, there's a catcher and, and him collided. A lot of collisions happened um, when he got up where he was, he was actually on, on the ground, and right next to him was the Blue Jays scout card. So if you guys don't know, catchers typically on, on a wristband, they'll have a little card. It's a scout card of basically how they're going to game plan against attacking every batter. So they'll peek in on that say, okay, like on this, on, on this counter, throw this guy this pitch and stuff. So they peek in on that, kind of like how a quarterback looks at his plays. They used to do that. Very similar. So um, basically that sheet fell out of the catcher's wristband and fell onto the ground just right in front of Kevin Kiermaier. And he saw that he got to, he, he just got tagged out at home, was pretty bummed, saw the, saw the uh, card on the ground and just picked it up. Kind of, he kind of looked around a little bit to see did, 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 did the Blue Jays see that? No one saw it. He just walked right back to the dugout immediately. As he got to the dugout, he handed it to one of his coaches and whispered something in his ear. And the coach just very nonchalantly just took the piece of paper and put it in his pocket. And that was it. It was, it was pretty well done on, on, on their end. The next day, however, of course, the Blue Jays found out about this. You know, there's cameras everywhere. Everyone can, can see what happened. The next day, uh, the Blue Jays re- retaliated by, he- by, by hitting Kiermaier 
at that moment, you know, Kiermaier kind of knew that was probably on purpose, you know, kind of had some choice words for the pitcher, benches cleared, all that stuff. Pitcher got tossed from the game. Another coach got from the, from the, from the Blue Jays, from the Blue Jays got tossed. Uh, so a pretty interesting moment there. Uh, Kiermaier doesn't think he did anything wrong. Um, the Blue Jays obviously think he did. Uh, so the, originally this, this question was going to be for Eric, but Alex, you volunteered to uh, step in on this one. Uh, so what do you think? Do you think this was a fair move on Kiermaier's part? The, the card just sitting there, you just scoop it up and just, I mean, that's obviously the, the Blue Jays' book of secrets. That's a, that's a lot of valuable information. You know, is it fair that it just happened to be right there for him to take? Or do you think that was kind of a little bit of a dirty play on uh, Kiermaier's part? No, I, so I watched the video. I think like originally Kiermaier was just like, what, like, what is this? Why is this here? Like, why is there a piece of like folded up paper behind home plate? Like, why is there garbage on the field? Um, I personally don't think he did anything wrong. I think he was like, Ooh, okay. Uh, I'm just going to take this real quick and use that to my advantage. Um, and on the other side, then, you know, obviously like it was all over Twitter. So obviously the blue Jays figured that out. And then when they hit him the following day, if you're Kevin Kiermaier, I think you have to know that's coming and you can't like get upset about it. Like he deserved to get hit as long as it didn't hit him in the head or like in the groin area. You're, you're not, that's just part of the game. I don't really know why the bench is cleared. I feel like that's one of those things where like everyone knew it was coming. And that one, in, at least in my mind, I'd have been like, yep, hit him. We're done with it. Like that should be the end of it. And now there's suspensions and all this other bull crap, like especially with the playoffs coming up and Toronto fighting for a playoff spot and Tampa, you know, already getting in. Like that's not really what should be going on right now, but I don't, I personally don't really think Kiermaier did anything wrong. Um, you know, it's not like he cheated to get this information. It just happened to kind of fall into his lap. Just like how we talked about with the sign stealing thing. Like if a hitter picks up on a pitcher tipping his pitches, that's part of the game. If a you know runner at second base figures out the signs when the catcher's putting his fingers down, that's part of the game. But if you're using technology, like if he had somehow like purposely like snagged it out of, uh, I don't know who's catching, maybe Zunino's like armband, that'd be like a little, that'd be a little cheap. But if it's just lying there on the ground, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. <laughs> how, how did the catcher not realize that it was gone? It, it the the play happened very quickly, so it was kind of he goes back out there, doesn't he? Yeah, I'm sure. Eventually, he I'm sure he realized where 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 where, quick, where, where, but... where to go, but I don't think he initially knew that Kiermaier took it because Kiermaier, if you watch the video, it was very sly. Like I personally like think he fell right was, next to his leg. Yeah, <laughs> and like it was like no one could the Blue Jays bench like his back was to the Blue Jays bench. No one could actually see him pick it up. Like it was like a perfect situation where he was able to really easily snag it. I personally think he knew exactly what he was grabbing. That's what I thought. But I do think it's fair play. Like, it just fell on the ground. Like, you're like, ooh, cheat code. Like, I'm going to take that real quick. Like, of course you are. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't blame uh, Kiermaier for a second. You know, and I also don't blame the Blue Jays, as Alex mentioned, for retelling back. You know, realistically, yeah, you probably should have said, hey, hey, man, here's your cheat code and giving it back. But, I mean, it's competitive baseball. You're going to do what you can to win, you know, so – it's just interesting. I've, I've never seen that happen before. Um, so that was, that was, I, I thought overall it was just kind of funny <laughs> the fact that it just <laughs> happened right there. And he's like, Oh, I'm going to take that. Uh, so anyway, uh, moving on to my second, Oh damn. Um, this is kind of a, a two and one. 
the NL West has been a crazy division this year, particularly for two teams that we just, there's, there's seasons that we thought they would have did end, end up happening at all. The first one being the Giants. The Giants won their 100th game of the season after only being projected to win 73. Pretty fucking insane. They are now up to 102 wins this season. They're going to have a few more by the, by the, by the week's end. Um, and on the other side of it, the San Diego Padres were officially eliminated from playoff contention, had a huge nosedive the, the second half of the season. They were projected to win close to 100 games and easily make the postseason. It was a pretty much no, – I think everyone had the Padres making the postseason. They're gone. They're uh, – you know, we're trading. We're talking about it before, before we, we went on air. They might have a losing record. It's, it's bad down there in San Diego. So, trading. I want to ask you, of the two teams – how their season was projected to how it ended up being, which one is more surprising to you? Yeah, I jumped on this one because this was definitely my most interesting follow. I mean, follow throughout the whole MLB season, because I, you know, uh, I, I did, you know, randomly say the giants were going to make the, the postseason. I was, I being controversial at the time. Probably. I honestly, I mean, you look, you look at what was expect, expected of them any normal person that isn't a crazy asshole like myself would have said that the giants are making the postseason, but I stuck with my guns. So for that reason, I have to say, and it's the slim margin, but I'm going to say it has to be the giants. And the reason is because of what they, of what was expected, like relative to, to the whole, you know, they bring in, they bring in far, um, what is it? Zadie, the, the, uh, um, he's the president yeah. of baseball ops or whatever. Yeah. And he came in to rebuild this team. And <laughs> unlike what we'd expect of seemingly every sport these days, and, and it, and it's pissing me off and everything in, in most of these sports where you deliberately tank, you, you get rid of your best players, you, you free up some space. Um, you start to do draft, you start to draft, um, get good draft picks and you just kind of build off from there. Players like Buster Posey, Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, Evan Longoria, um, Johnny Cueto. Those guys are those guys are prime guys that you're selling at the deadline. Those guys are, are guys that you're selling going into the season, so that you have some, so that you let your your farm your farm guys get some reps, so that you start to build your team. Z- Zadie looked at things a little bit differently. He said, "Fuck it, let's go for the win. Let's 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 play baseball." Like this is not, this is so atypical. And then you have it, you have an entire, an entire sport. Look at your team. Look at those individuals who are between 33 and um, 33 and 35 years old and say like, they're washed up, they're over. And when you have, when you have a, a, a new guy come in and say, Hey, we're going to keep this team together. He, he, you know, he look at Zadie, he looks at the other team on the other side and said, looks at the Dodgers. And I think that he, he, he loves the, the idea of continuity, like you you guys stick with, have stuck with your players for so many fucking years and it means something. And he said this, he thought the same thing. So you have, you have a pre, uh, president of baseball ops come in and say, I believe in you. And while the rest of everyone is saying, Oh, we don't believe in you. And these guys are, these guys are, you know, world series champions and they come in and say, fuck it. We're going to, we're going to play. What's mo- what's most surprising about it. Tyler is not that the fact that they're the best team in baseball, but they're in the top five in almost every single offensive stat. 
first in their first in um, OPS, first in slugger percentage, uh, second in um, at bat. I'm sorry, in runs. Uh, let's see what else. I mean, I could I could I could continue to go on. The only thing they're not from in the top five on is stolen bases because all the fucking guys are too slow and, and old <laughs> to steal that many bases. But they're still eight. They're still coming up to play. Oh, and by the way, let's look at the other side. The pitching has been stellar uh, from from the you know from the the starting pitcher down to the down to the bullpen. All of these guys are are making contributions, and you know all like if you look at the main guys in the bullpen, all these guys have less than three ERA. I mean that that's that's excellent for a, for a for a team that is was expected to not even sniff the the postseason. Maybe be close, but not. I mean at set at seventy. You look at ESPN, they have them at 70 wins. That's not even close. That's not even fucking close. So I, I have to say that it has to go to the Giants because even you have said multiple times that this is the, even even a Giants hater that you are because you have to be. Even you were you have you've come on this podcast and said, I don't understand it. And for the, and and here's the thing. They they would go up, they would they would give up a, a few games in a row, and then we'd be like, oh, okay, now it's starting to now now we're starting to see the Giants that we that we expected. And then they turn around and win four four in a row. It, it, how's that not that's the that's gotta be the most shocking, you know, ex, shocking thing this season. And um, and yeah, I think I think it's just amazing that you know you, you when you when you have a team that believes in themselves, when you have a when you have a front office that says, you know what, we're going to do things a little bit differently than what every single team has done, and instead of in, instead of uh, you know tanking terribly and then going from there, they're like, you know what, I'm just going to be a good general manager and play and and build a team from what I have, keep the continuity. People want people are now going to want to come to to San Francisco. They're going to have some money this this off season. You be. <laughs> You be you guys should be worried to see what's what, what what's going to transpire down up in San Francisco after this season, especially if they go deep in the playoffs. Yeah, unfortunately, I agree with you. I mean, it is unbelievable to me the projection. It's you know you, you see it every year where teams overachieve, but I don't think I've ever seen a team overachieve to this level. Like it, it is just it's truly unbelievable. And you also see it every year where you have teams underachieve, like the Padres. And of course the Padres choke. They're the, the, the freaking San Diego Padres. Of course they yeah. didn't make the playoffs. I Alex, I'm sure you remember like five or six years ago, they had the very similar situation where they got a bunch of free agents. They had like a team that was projected to pup to, to potentially beat the Dodgers for the NL West, and they ended up finishing like third or fourth or something. Like they didn't even come close. Same thing. They just they find a way to disappoint their fans down there. Um yeah, so I'm not too surprised. I am surprised about the Padres, but it's definitely more surprising what the Giants are doing yeah. and how much they're overachieving. And yeah. not just, you know, if, if, if they had made the playoffs and squeaked in, I've been like, okay, like, you know, like I said, it, it, it can happen. But they've, been, they've had the best record in baseball since late May and have not looked back. That is an entire, almost an entire season of just being the best team in baseball from a team that wasn't projected to have a winning record. That is unbelievable to me so i think i think what's what's maybe not surprising about the padres is and we had this conversation last week they don't have a leader they, they have they have they have a lot of immature guys that and it's clearly showing you know on the in the bullpen and and but then you look at the other side you look at the giants the the experience the humbleness the yeah. the, the 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 want to to fight and play that's what makes them surprising. Yeah, it's not even close season. when you compare them in that sense. You know, as a Dodger fan, I absolutely hate it. The Giants are doing this good. But as a baseball fan, I do have to appreciate the kind of season the Giants are having. And it's truly unbelievable. 
Uh, so like I said, we have a week left. Uh, we'll see how many w- games the Giants do end up winning. But that, that, I think it's got to be some kind of record with, in terms of like projection and what they ended up actually sure. winning. Um, so moving on to another team that's overachieving quite a bit lately, the St. Louis Cardinals are currently on a 16-game winning streak. They haven't lost since September 10th. They have just absolutely steamrolled in, into the postseason. Um, they ha- currently sit, as of Monday, a 99.9% chance of making the postseason. Um, they're just on an absolute tear of late and playing very, very good baseball. Now, this Cardinals team has been very inconsistent all year. They've had issues all season long, but they're hot at the right time. And you see it time and time again that teams that grab that last wild card spot playing well into October can sometimes shock a lot of people and make it very deep into the postseason. So, James, I want to ask you, do you see this St. Louis Cardinals team as a real threat to take out either the Dodgers or the Giants in the NL wild card game? I definitely do. Wild card is one game, correct? It's not a series. Correct. Okay. Anything can happen in one game, guys. Just like Aaron Rodgers said last night, football is romantic. So is baseball. You never know what might happen. If somebody gets hot, if somebody messes up, that one pitch, that one hit changes the entire trajectory of how the game's going to go. And it could happen in the first inning. It could happen in the fifth. It could happen in the ninth. You never know. It's a sport. And if long, as long as nobody's cheating, anything goes. That being said, the Giants, I believe, will take will win the division. So, therefore, I think the Dodgers will be in that wild card. This is going to be a good game. It's going to be Cardinals-Dodgers, and momentum is key. You see it in every single sport. You see it in life. It's a huge aspect of a proponent towards success. Before the, Do- or before the Cardinals went on this win streak, they did have two big wins against the Dodgers. They won two against – they had four, a four-game series, lost the first two, won the second two, they lost against the Cubs and then went on a 16-game streak. In that streak, they beat the Reds, the Mets, the Padres, Brewers, and the Cubs. And at the time, the Mets were still trying to fight for a, a part of the playoffs. The Brewers won the division, so they're, they're a good team. And, and the Reds are also in competition to be in the wild card. And they won all those games. It's not like they were playing major scrubs. The only people that are real scrubs on there are probably the Cubs or the Padres. But then that, the Dodgers, I didn't include them, but they, like I said, they won against them. The, se- the season um, series against the Dodgers and the Cardinals, three to seven, three out of seven. The Cardinals play pretty well against the Dodgers. The Dodgers don't shut them up and they don't throw them down. It's a pretty good matchup. Over these last 16 games, the Cardinals have averaged seven runs scored per game. That's huge. Typically, I mean, sometimes you want to with two runs, but seven, offensive explosion. And that even includes two games that were seven innings long because it was a doubleheader. That's even more incredible. Uh, when it push comes to shove, when it becomes Cardinals and Dodgers, I think that Adam Wainwright will be the starting pitcher facing off against one of your aces because you have five of them. Pick one. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I know for sure it's going to be Adam Wainwright for the Cardinals. And he's had a resurgent year. He's been pretty much on the same level every single year. He's consistent. But this year is something else. This year, he leads the team in innings pitch with 200. But on top of that, he's he has a whip of 1.04 with 200s inning pitched. That's incredible. On top of that, he has just north of a 3.0 ERA and 21 quality starts. He's going to be reliable. He's going to get you at least five, six innings in that game, which is all you need. <laughs> Against the Dodgers, If he, the more innings you can put down, the better you'll be as a starter. And I'm expecting the offense for the, Dodge, for the Cardinals to not be as explosive as they have been, just because the Dodging, Dodgers pitching staff is incredible. But I expect them to at least put up three to four runs that game. It'll be a good game to watch for sure between into that. 
They even get a keg, bring it to Trayden's house because he loves kegs. Tyler invited to Trayden's house Sweet. with a keg. <laughs> yeah, you know, those one-game playoffs, as you mentioned, James, anything can happen, especially, you know, if, if this was the Cardinals-Dodgers series, Dodgers in a landslide. Pitching-wise, they don't, they don't match up any – they're not even close. But as you mentioned, Adam Wainwright having a fantastic year, he can go up against any of those Dodger aces, as you mentioned, and pitch a very good game. I think the last game that Wainwright did pitch against the Dodgers, I think he went like eight in the third inning of shutout baseball against them or something like that. Uh, he played – he pitched very well against this Dodgers team. And offensively, they're pretty even, honestly. I think the, the, the Cardinals' offense is very, very good. Um, they've, they've got five or six guys that can really swing it. The Dodgers also have a, a very good offense. So that, that, that's a pretty even matchup for one game. If you, if you go, if you go uh, Wainwright Scherzer, Wainwright Bueller, whoever the, the Dodgers decide to, to throw out there. So I don't love it. Also, the Cardinals have had our number in the postseason uh, in recent memory. So it makes me a little nervous that that's the team that we might end up facing. But at the end of the day, you know, it's exciting, right? Right, Alex? <laughs> I still think yeah. the one game wild card is still fucking bullshit. Yeah, so it, it's nerve-wracking, but damn, the Cardinals are looking really good. And like I said, I've seen it so many times where wild card teams, they, they just have a great September after just uh, iffy all, you know, the first five months of the season were just up and down and who knows what's going to happen. And then they ended up like making the World Series. Like it's, it, it can happen. So we will see. But the Cardinals looking like they're going to make the, the, the postseason as, as the second wild card team. So let's look into the playoff picture as we stand heading into this final week. So what's been won so far? The, the Brewers have won the uh, NL Central. The White Sox have won the AL Central. And the Rays have won the AL East. They'll most likely have the best record in the American League unless barring some crazy freaking 0-6 week and the Astros go 6-0 or something stupid. Um, so who's next? So who's likely to, uh, clinch the Astros magic number to clinch the ALS is two. So, and the Cardinals magic number to clinch that second, uh, wild card spot is also two. So really just a matter of time for both of those teams to, uh, clinch a spot. Both of them are like 99.9% chance of making it. Um, so the Astros and Cardinals are most likely in probably pretty early this week, but there are three races that are still up coin flips and they, they, they can be decided. They can go either way. Um, so let's talk about first the AL log card. I feel like we've been talking about this race for like two months now and we're here going the final week and it's still super tight. We got five teams that are in the mix for the AL wild card for two spots. The Yankees just came off a great week. They swept the Red Sox. They are now in that first wild card spot. The Red Sox still hanging tight to that second one. The Blue Jays are one game back. The Mariners are still hanging around. They're two games back and the athletics are three games back. So A's going to need, need a lot of help, but the Mariners and the Blue Jays are right there. Um, and, it, and anything can happen. I mean, this, this, it could, it could be Yankees, Red Sox today. It could be freaking Mariners, Blue Jays by the end of the week, who knows? Um, so that race is going to be really interesting to watch. Um, Alex, who do you got as your two teams that end up meeting each other for the AL wildcard game? Yeah. Um, in the preseason, when we talked about this, I picked the Blue Jays, I believe, to make it as the second wild card. And I really want to see them because I want to see Blatty Jr. in a postseason game. I think that'd be super sick, depending on, slight spoiler, if it's in New York or Boston. Like, how sick would that be? Unfortunately for Seattle and Oakland, they're starting tomorrow, they play each other. So one of them is screwed very quickly here. Like 
especially Oakland, like if they lose that first game, it's relatively over. Like that's a lot of teams to jump, not enough games. Like it would be a miracle. Seattle, same thing. Great story. They've got a negative run differential. I don't know how they have a this good of a record. Probably not going to happen. Sorry, Seattle. You're going to – that playoff draft's going to continue. And then, and then Toronto and New York play each other coming up. And then Boston plays the very lowly Baltimore Orioles. So I think Boston is going to get in because they have a much easier schedule. And then I think it will be, like we talked about last week or two weeks, wherever it is, a New York – Boston one game wild card. I mean, as much as like it is how fun it would be to see Toronto, like let's be real, a one game wild card between maybe like Garrett Cole, Chris Sale, in doesn't even, I don't even care what city it's in, it'll be electric. So I think that's what's going to happen. It seems to be going that direction. And like, you know, if that happens, all the talk will be about, oh man, the Yankees just swept the Red Sox a week ago. There's all this, you know, it's obviously always bad blood between those two cities. Like, that's what I want to happen as much as I think it'd be fun to see the Toronto Blue Jays get in. I think it will be Yankees-Red Sox. All right. I agree. Mainly just because that's, that's just what I want. You know, I, 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 I just, I, I, I want Yankees-Red Sox. I've been seeing it for weeks, so I hope that's what ends up happening. But, you know, the Blue Jays could easily sneak in there. We'll see what happens. Huge series, as you mentioned, between the Blue Jays and Yankees this week. That's going to be a must-watch series uh, as we head into the, to the final week. Um, moving on to the next race that's to be decided, the NL East. This has been kind of a division that no one's really paying attention to all season for good reason. They, the teams that are in there are kind of above, slightly above average. No, no teams that really uh, that you know scream at you as a true contender in in the, in the National League. But it, we come, we're coming down to the wire here between the Braves and the Phillies. The Braves have been holding true. They had a really good month of August, and they've kind of held that lead ever since. The Phillies are coming up strong, though. They've, they've had a pretty – the last two or three weeks have been very good. Bryce Harper's on fire out there in, uh, in Philly. They're two and a half back, so not super close, but they're definitely not out of it. It can definitely happen, and they do play each other this week as well. So another huge series that's going to be happening there between the Braves and the Phillies, so another one that you must watch, much, you must tune, in, must tune into. So, Alex, do you think the Braves hold on for this AL East, or do you think the Phillies will shock the baseball world and sneak into as AL East champs? Sorry, NL East champs. Um, history and math tells us the Braves are going to win. But I, I don't know. I have this feeling Bryce Harper, in my mind, MVP of the National League, is going to carry this team to an NL East crown. Wow. Don't really have like actual reasoning behind it. It just like, and then looking at, so yeah, you're right. They start tomorrow, tomorrow they play each other three games set. The Phillies get Zach Wheeler, their best pitcher to start, you know, the beginning of that series. If they can win that one, that's a huge win. And then moving forward, the Braves get the Mets who are, you know, along the Padres, on the like most biggest disappointments of the season and the Phillies get the Marlins who are the Marlins and they're always trash and they'll always be trash. It's just part of baseball. Marlins are always bad. So like schedule wise, it looks like the Phillies have a better shot. If you know, Zach Wheeler starts Tuesday, they might be able, they could probably throw them Sunday or Saturday on short rest if they really need it. So like two and a half games in a week is a lot. 
but I like, I want to see something crazy happen and I really want the Phillies to make it probably not going to matter because they're going to end up playing the Brewers and whichever one of those teams plays the Brewers, it's probably not going to go well, but I want to see NL MVP Bryce Harper, like carry this mediocre ass fucking team into the postseason the last week. Cause that'd be really exciting. That would be super cool. I guess I don't, I don't think that'll happen, but I would love it to see it. Cause we love that, you know, I think baseball does have every once in a while these like last weekends of the seasons where shit just goes crazy and, and th- things happen. So I, I think we're going to get one of those either in the AL wildcard or the NL East. Uh, but let's move on to the NL West. Talking about it forever. I promise this is the last week I'm going to talk about it because by next Monday, it's going to be decided. But the Dodgers and the Giants are still battling it out. It seems like the last month it's literally just been steady at about two or one games pretty much the entire month of September. No one's really made a move. It's been very, very even. Um, So Alex, do you think something does change here heading into the final week? The Dodgers have a shot at winning their eighth consecutive title or the Giants going to snap that streak and be NL West champions. Uh, First off, James, thank you for my $50 earlier (laughs) i had to bring that up again because i mean to be completely honest when i made that bet i was fully prepared to just give you 50 bucks and then the Padres decided 50 bucks so yeah they decided to be decided to be terrible so thank you for that um this the only thing i think that could realistically happen is the dodgers have to win all six of their next games and if if the giants win four out of six which even that seems iffy, like they seem to like maybe never lose. There's still reasons I don't completely understand. Uh, we're looking at a game 163, which again, for crazy shit to happen, that's what I want. Like, I almost want that more than the Dodgers just like winning the division outright because game 163s are fucking insane and I love it. Yeah. So that's what I personally want to happen. I think when the Dodgers lost to the Diamondbacks on Saturday night and it got back down to two games, I think that was relatively the clincher. I think the Giants, and, you know, if I'm being a baseball fan and not biased, I think it's over. I actually do think the Giants will win the division. Um, And like you're saying, you know, so like James, like you're saying, Dodgers Cardinals in that one game playoff, I am mentally and physically preparing myself for the Dodgers to lose that game. Because I don't know what happens. Whenever we play the Cardinals, we lose. It's just part of baseball and part of especially Tyler and I's lifespan. The Dodgers lose to the Cardinals in the playoffs. It's just part of God's will or plan or whatever you want to call it. But I think the, I, I think the Giants will win the division. Um, I don't think they'll win the World Series. I still think there are – two better teams than them in the national league. I think there are better teams than them in the American league, but I think the giants will win the division. Yeah. 163. Can you imagine getting like a 160, a 163 with giants and uh, Dodgers with the divisional line. Then like the next day getting Yankees uh, Red Sox for the wild card and just having that be like that week. That'd be that start your playoffs. That's, that's okay. just, yeah. Like if you're baseball, if you're, if you're, um, uh, fuck, I almost said Bud Seeley. What's the guy's name now? Rob Manfred. Thank you. If you're Rob Manfred, (laughs) (laughs) that's what you want. You want a game 163 
uh, Dodgers Giants, and then you want Yankees, like Yankees Red Sox. We talked about this when in, you know, I mean, uh, hockey, when it was Tampa Dallas, we're like, that's not what you want. If you're, if you're Gary Batman, that's not what you want. That's what you get. But if you're Rob Manfred, you want Dodgers Giants and you want Yankees Red Sox. They're the best rivalries. They always will be. That's what so you they do a true tiebreaker. There's no, it doesn't go to like run differential or. Wow. The Giants They're, would the Giants would host the game because they won the season series. But they, if you're tied, you're playing a game to figure out who's going where. Fucking sick, dude. Yeah. After 162 games, you know. Yeah. That's so crazy. So th- those are pretty fun. We get those, I don't know, probably every other year-ish or so. So they don't happen all the time, but when they do, they're very exciting. That actually seems like a lot. Yeah, I thought that it's, was super rare. I thought that comes like once every like more 10 often years. than you would think. It's pretty crazy when you play 162 games, and by the end of it, teams are tied at the end. Like it, it is. It, is that? It, it happens quite a bit. It's pretty <laughs> wild. Um, but like I said, this is the best time of year to be a baseball fan. I hope shit gets weird here going into the final week of the season. I hope things get crazy. Uh, so buckle in, guys. Uh, by, by, by next Monday, we'll, we will have our playoff picture set, and it's going it's, it's to be fun. There are so, like, so many good uh, rivalries this postseason. There's so many good teams in the mix. Um, it's going to be super, super fun. So, um, Alex, that's all I got. Let's, uh, let, let's get ready for this last week. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. There is one last thing that I've just remembered thinking about this. Um, Jeff Passan, he's a MLB insider for ESPN. This giant Twitter thread between for the AL wildcard. If everything goes very right, which it will probably never ever happen, all five of those teams that Tyler's talking about could all end up with the same record. That would be nuts. I hope that happens. Not even work. I don't. It's (laughs) a very long thing. Certain teams have to beat certain teams on certain days because, like, of the way the schedule works. It's really confusing, but. That would be I, I'm not going to explain it. Someone else go look it up, but okay. that could happen. Jeez. Uh, we're going to take another quick break. And then uh, again, hockey is coming. So we're going to be talking about the central division coming up with trading. We are back. With health concerns on the rise, it's as important as ever to keep your people safe. Dimer isn't another BS COVID company. They've been developing their tech to kill germs and save lives since 2014. Dimer's original UBC products have won them partnerships with some of the best technology companies in the country and earned them a spot on Time Magazine's Best Inventions of 2020. Dimer started out disinfecting airplanes. Now they're in hospitals, athletic facilities, hotels, classrooms, basically anywhere people might have been sick. When it comes to keeping your players, employees, guests, and customers in your facility safe, trust Dimer. For TLDR listeners, they are offering free disinfection as a service in select areas. So that means they will come disinfect your facility for free. You can take them up on this offer by visiting DimerUV.com and at DimerUV on social media. Use code TLDR for your first disinfection as a service appointment for free. That's Dimer like diner with an M as in Mike Trout. Ever heard of him? Kill more germs, prevent more infections, save more lives. D-I-M-E-R-U-V dot com. Trading just hurt himself, like doing some sort of shimmy that, you know, we're getting old. I guess that's the deal. Uh, 
check out the YouTube for that, I guess. I don't know. It seemed like it. some of the shoulder. It was pretty fun. Uh, we, uh, after a little hiatus, because Traden hosted last week, we are back to hockey previews, and we are moving on to the Central Division. Traden, my man, take it away. Yes, sir. Two weeks and a day from the opening night for the NHL. Um, and so we're going to get right into the Central Division. We have two more divisions remaining. Um, Central and our this TLDR podcast favorite division will be next week. So uh, that's gonna that's arguably the most important one. Um, we're gonna we're gonna keep it uh, we're gonna keep it quick. We're gonna keep it going. We're gonna start in alphabetical order, as I said, um, with the newly inducted into the Central Division just this year, the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, their record was uh, last year was 24, 26 and six for fifty four points. They fit they finished fifth in the West Division. Um, and they did obviously did not make the playoffs. Uh, significant ga- gains include Dmitry Jaskin, uh, Shane Gossesbear, Connor Timmins, Louis Erickson, Anton Roussel, and Carter Hutton. A few old guys there. Significant losses include Darcy Kemper, Antti Ranta, Connor Garland, Oliver Ekman Larson. Finally, which is um, it was it was a wonder when it would be since that he'd be leaving. Alex um, Goligoski and Michael Bunting. Um, <laughs> I, um, Tyler, why is this team going to be good? <laughs> I mean, they're not, but it's just, it, there's literally nothing here. Um, I mean, the chance for the top lottery pick, you know, that's exciting. Yeah, that's for the Sabres, guess, bro. You know? What are you doing? That's for the Sabres. You know, but hey, they're, they're going to be, they're going to have a chance though. They're going to, you know, that's going to be, a, it's really, going to be a dog fight. You're going to have the, <laughs> a chance for the best player in the world, whoever, whoever that is. Some, some dude with a lot of weird letters in his name that you can't <laughs> pronounce. Um, it's S a J a K. That's a no. Yeah. He'll be going to the Arizona coyotes. Uh, yeah, no, it's going to be bad guy. I, it's, it's going to be not only for this season, I think for the foreseeable future. Remember when the coyotes were in the Western conference final, like not that long ago. Yeah, man. No. That, I think actually that was the, that was 2017, uh, the year the Edmonton got bumped by the Ducks, and the Ducks went went and I think they lost to um, Arizona. The Blackhawks. Well, I know the, the the Kings beat the Coyotes in 2012 for the Western Conference yeah. Championship. Oh, is that? Oh, it might have been that far back. So yeah. It wasn't. I mean, it's not that far or not that close, but like still in our yeah. lifetime, the, yeah. the, the 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 Coyotes were like were three wins away from making the Stanley Cup final. And they, they were, they were on it. Like, you know, they that were, was they quite were, the series too. That was quite the series too. Yeah. Well, Alex, I mean, I guess you could just take it off. Why are they going to be bad then? <laughs> I mean, they're the most boring franchise in the NHL, according to you. They, their own city doesn't even want them. They want to move to Alaska or Houston or whatever. Who, who cares? Quebec. Uh, I mean, yeah, like... <laughs> They're not going to be, they're not going to be good. I mean, like their best player is Phil Kessel and he's a million years old and you know, he was good in his prime. He's past his prime. Um, Clayton Keller has been kind of like an, a little bit of a disappointment um, since joining the Arizona Coyotes, like looking down their roster. Like you, there's just not a name, a bunch of names a casual hockey fan would recognize which generally means they're not going to be very good. Um, and, you know, I focus on the goalies a lot because, you know, as a Kings fan, when we are good, it's because your goalies are good. Tampa has won the last two cups because they have the best goalie in the world. 
Carter Hutton doesn't bring a lot of like excitement to me if I was an Arizona Coyotes fan. This feels very much like a we're going to finish sixth or seventh in the division and then we're moving out of Arizona and this is a just a very forgettable team and season for the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, I I'm going to have to agree with you guys here. Um quick note on the on the relocation efforts i've been kind of following this and the a beat writer in arizona believes that if you believe that the team is getting relocated you haven't done your homework they are trying very very hard to make sure they stay in arizona especially because arizona just um legalized gambling and it would be a huge loss for that owner to to give that up because he'd be he'd own one of the licenses you know to to open betting at, at an arena so I don't think that's going to – I think that they'll find a way, even if it means um, finding a temporary home. Um, they did go back to their Kachina um, logo, which that's, that's, that's huge. That's a big deal. <laughs> um, the, the final big deal, guys, this year is going to be rough, but they have five picks in the first two rounds. I'm sorry. They have, they have eight picks in the first two rounds of the next draft. They have three first-rounders and five second-rounders. So – I, I'm going to push back a little bit on you, at, at Tyler, that you're going to say that they're going to be bad for the foreseeable future. It may not be as foreseeable as we thought if they if they really nab some solid um, picks in, the, in those uh, first eight picks. That's a lot of players that you're getting that are that should be high caliber. No, are they, to your point, they're not going to play um, in the next season, probably. But, you know, you might see them in two years. And then we might, they might actually start to build a team that actually is going to be a little bit, uh, you know, scary. Um, this is what, this is what happens when you take, when you stockpile a lot of draft picks, you take on some shitty ass contracts of guys that don't even play anymore. And you take their, you take the picks in, 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 um, in return. And this is how you rebuild a team, I guess. Um, this is just how it goes. Um, moving on to a team that's a little more um, interesting. The Chicago Blackhawks, uh, last season, they finished, they finished 24, 25, and 7 for 55 points. They finished 6th in the Central Division and did not make the playoffs. Significant gains include Seth Jones, huge, huge addition, his brother, Caleb Jones, Marc-Andre Fleury, Tyler Johnson, and Jacob McCab. Significant losses include Pius Sutter, Adam Bodquist, and Duncan Keith. He went over to the Oilers. Um, Alex, why are why is Chicago going to be good this year? Well, you get uh, hopefully your captain back in Jonathan Toeyev, uh from his illness or what I can't remember exactly what his problem was, but he sat out this past season. You still have the greatest American player of all time, or minimum top three, in Patty Kane, and you get the Vesna Trophy winner pretty much for free in Mark Andre Fleury. The central division is very loaded in that number one, what is presumed that number one spot and the rest of it is pretty up for grabs. I think the Chicago teams can be mu as much as I hate to say this, it's going to be much better. You get rid of Duncan. So you, you get rid of Duncan Keith and you get Seth Jones instead. I mean, I know that's not exactly how the whole trade went, but like, that's obviously an upgrade. Um, I, you know, DeBrincat is going to come back, you know, have another great, you know, Keep continuing to grow. I think this this Blackhawks team could relatively shoot for that second spot in the Central Division. They feel like um, one of the teams that when we look back at the 2020 season or 2020-2021 to this season, 
the biggest jump. Mm-hmm. Much better goaltending. If they stay healthy, they should be a much better team. Um, you know, Chicago back on the rise, it feels like, um, as annoying as that is. And Tyler, why is Alex a lion sack of shit? <laughs> I mean, that's all the time. But, you know, in this particular situation, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I, I don't think that Blackhawks fans should expect Mark andre Fleury to make this team great all of a sudden. You know, Mark andre Fleury, one of the best goaltenders that we've seen in our recent memory. He's, but, you know, he had a great year last year. But he was playing on the Vegas Golden Knights. The Vegas Golden Knight or the Chicago Blackhawks are not the Golden Knights. It's a much, it's not nearly as good of a team. So, you know, some goal, some goaltender numbers are inflated because of how good their defense and their team system is around them. You have to admit that. Obviously, Marc-Andre Fleur, like I said, great goalie. He makes his team better for sure. But does he make them great? No. This team still has a lot of work to do. I think past their top five or six guys, I don't think they have a whole lot. You know, I, I just don't think depth wise they're in the upper echelon in that division. I think they'll be fighting for a playoff spot for sure. I think they're going to be in the mix all season long. And I, there's a very real chance that they will make the playoffs. Um, but I don't think it's going to be by any comfortable margin. Um, and then, you know, the change of the guard from, you know, Keith to Jones there on, on the de- on defensive end, um, you know, Duncan Keith, you know, legend there in Chicago, he's out, you know, bringing in Seth Jones, great uh, defenseman there from Co- Columbus, you know, We'll see if that's a, you know, an even flop, you know, people might think it is, but you know, that that's a guy, that's a guy that was, has been in Chicago for, for so, so long. That's like lo- losing a, 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 a Taves or a, a Patrick Kane, you know, that, 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 that's a big name player. It's been there for so long for all those uh, cup runs, you know, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think that might be a bigger loss than people think so, it, even though they re- re- replace them with, with Jones. But like I said, I think, people are expecting Flurry to make this team all of a sudden like a top contender. I just don't think that's the case. I think they're still going to be, you know, uh, you know, floating there for a playoff spot, but you know, I think there's a chance this team won't, won't make the playoffs if things go really bad. You know what? I, uh, I have to agree with you, Tyler, on this one. Um, and I no disrespect to Mark Andre Flurry. He's been extremely good on a team with extremely good defense. And the Chicago Blackhawks have not had good defense as of late. They're bringing in Seth Jones, fantastic defenseman. I've, uh, however, de- defensively, he's not quite the same caliber as Duncan Keith was at, at his age. Um, Seth Jones is probably a is probably a better offensive defenseman. I'll give him that. Defensively, I just don't know if he has quite the pedigree that um, that um, Duncan Keith has. However. Um, to, to Alex's point, offensively, this team is, is, is pretty, uh, is pretty interesting. I mean, yeah, Patrick Kane, Alex to Jonathan Taze, Kirby doc, those guys are those, especially the, um, the two younger ones are definitely up and coming Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane, the, the, the names speak for themselves. Don't really need to, I don't really need to talk much about them. Um, I do think that Mark Andre Fleury is going to fill a huge spot for this team, a, a spot that they have needed for a while. And that's why I think that they will probably sneak in as a wild card or potentially a third spot in the, in the central only because the central to me, again, Alex, to your point after number one is a black box. I don't know what the fuck to expect. Um, this, this is probably the division that is the biggest put my, uh, lick my finger, throw it in the, in the air. Where's the wind blowing? Cause I don't know. Um, and, and so I think for that reason, 
I agree with you both in that. Yeah, we, we might, they might be good. They might be bad. I think it just depends on, on the, um, on the powers that be, but I think it's an upgrade on, on back on the back end, uh, at least goaltending wise defense issues kind of scare me. Um, I just, I just want to see how Seth Jones kind of fits. Um, I wonder how Marc-Andre Fleury will be able to handle that many shots against and scoring chances against. He hasn't had that much against in Vegas. Vegas does a very good job of, 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 you know, keeping the things to the outside, keeping scoring chances at, at, at bay. That makes goaltenders look really good. So uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I really do hope Marc-Andre Fleury shoves it up uh, Vegas's hoop and plays extremely well. I really do. Um, but it, it, we're just going to have to see. I think this is a, this is a wildcard team that, you know, I think is going to turn some heads and I think they're, I think they're in a, a solid trajectory. I just don't know if they're quite there yet. Uh, moving on to the, probably easily the best team in the division. Uh, that is the Colorado Avalanche. Their record was 39, 13 and four for 82 points last season. Um, first in the West, but they lost four to two against the golden Knights in the second round after completely thwomping uh, who they was it Minnesota. No, uh, I can't even remember oh, um, who they who they played because it didn't even matter. <laughs> so, oh, uh, St. Louis, it didn't matter. Um, uh, so they gained Darcy Kemper, Darren Helm, and Ryan Murray, um, but they lost Philip Grubauer, uh, Jonas Donskoy, Brandon Saad, Ryan Graves, and Connor Timmins. Um, Alex, you like this team? Yeah, uh, I mean, let's be honest. This Colorado team is a cup contender. Um, they're a president's trophy contender. If you're a Colorado fan, let's, you hope they don't win the president's trophy. Cause as we know, you win the president's trophy, you don't win the cup. That's just general rule of hockey. Um, you have a top three, top two player in Nathan McKinnon, um, Nico Rantanen, top 10, great Gabe Landeskog, one of the best captains in the NHL that, you know, that top three leading your team is pretty insane. You've got one of the best young defensemen in hockey and Kale McCarr. You know, Grubauer felt like he was always going to be pushed out, just and that was just a salary cap issue when, you know, unfortunately with hockey, there are those issues because you can't be the Yankees or the Dodgers and just pay everyone whatever you fucking feel like. Like, there is a salary cap. So, but you know what? Darcy Kemper is, is no slack. Um and any goalie is going to look good in a system like this with a team that is this good. So um, I think anything other than a for the very first spot in the central would be a failure of a season and getting into the Stanley cup out of the Western conference should be the avalanches base. Like they are a cup contender. You know, they feel like one of the top two teams in the West, other than that Vegas team, like this is, they've been a kind of a disappointment in the playoffs. They've sort of been like, kind of like the Milwaukee Bucks, like just destroying the regular season and then sort of flaming out in the postseason. Maybe this is Colorado's year, but it, they need to get it going because um, this is it. And then, and then who knows? But um, if you have Nathan McKinnon, you're a cup contender. It's kind of just the deal. Yeah. Um, so I, Eric was tasked with uh, talking about the against this team. And I, and I'm going to talk about the, the against side here. Um, I agree with you. They're going to make the playoffs. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to even going to fight you on that. I'm going to fight you on their ability to go deep in the playoffs because I think they lost a lot of key players that hurt their depth, especially on the, on the top, on the, uh, on the 
front end. Uh, Don Scoyne and uh, Brandon Saad, I think, are, are big losses. Those are guys that have been in the league for a long time. They 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 play their roles very very well. And when you lose those kind of guys, you have to rely on on you know younger guys to fill in that void. And sometimes they can't do it. Nazem Kadri is a wild card. I don't know if he's going to bounce back. He ha- he didn't have the greatest um, season, and then he does what he does best and fucks it up for his entire team in the po- postseason. I, I have to assume he'll, he'll do it again, which is a huge loss because he is a very important cog to that team and he doesn't realize it enough to keep his head. And that, that worries me. Um, in the crease, I think that Ke- Darcy Kemper is a fantastic goaltender. I'm not going to deny that. And Pavel Frank, who I think is a, is a solid backup. Darcy Kemper has only played in over 30 games twice in his career. So I don't know how he's going to be able to handle that much workload he has a tendency to be to get injured if he does i don't know if frank who can hold up enough to take them to the promised land um that is my biggest worry about this about this team yes you're right this is the this is the last you know try for the uh the colorado avalanche especially um on a nathan mckinnon contract that pays him what five and a half million for one more year, I mean, it's actually, oh, I'm sorry, 6.3 million for a player that is the second best in the, in the entire league. Um, he has, we have two more years of him at that rate, and they're going to do anything they can to make sure that they get something in before they have to really pay him. So I'm worried about the about the depth on the front end. I, I question about the goaltending, but this team's going to make the playoffs. That's not a question. It's just whether they can figure it out in the postseason. I think that's the biggest, the biggest question mark. Um, moving on to the Dallas Stars. Um, their record last year was 23, 19, 14 for 60 points. Uh, they finished fifth in the central division, did not make the playoffs. Significant gains include Ryan uh, Suter, uh, Brian Holtby and Luke Glendening. Significant losses were Jason Dickinson and Jamie Oleksiak. Th- this is the team that disappointed us all. They started out shitty um, after uh, them all pretty much catching COVID and dealing with the, the Texas freeze um, and back in February. Uh, James, um you like this team though i do like this team but let's talk about what happened last year before i can talk about what happened is going to happen this upcoming year like you mentioned there was a lot of continuity and consistency issues to begin the year and starting off a season like that is not a good way to start the season 17 players caught covid and being an athletic trainer knowing what the repercussions of covid are like and how to get back from it that's months it's not it doesn't get better you don't get back to the same rate of play and the same stamina and the same condition that you were at last week. If you got COVID no, it does not, you, you, you're back months and having them to go back, having them come play a week later is crazy. And then you have consistency issues with the Texas freeze, having to reschedule a couple of games on top of the COVID games. So the back end of their schedule was just flush with games. So many games, not a lot of rest injury issues back and forth. Tyler Sagan played three games all season. Alexander Radulov played 11 games all season. Those are big scoring guys. And the biggest problem with the Stars last year was scoring. They were 18th in scoring. They were not good on the offensive end. That should be fixed this year with consistency issues and the ability to have Tyler Sagan back and Radulov back. And the fact that Goryanov is getting better, and so is Jason Robertson. Jason Robertson was second in Calder Trophy voting, 17 goals, 28 assists. Goryanov, 20 goals two years ago. Last year, 30 points in 56 games. He, Those two are, are going to be forces to pair on the top two lines for the Dallas Stars. The top two lines for the Dallas Stars are once again going to be a force. On the back end of this, the defense has always been decent, but adding Ryan Sutter back there is also good. He's old, 
but is a good mentor. Um, Heskinen is younger. And pairing him on that second line, the second defensive line with Suter is going to pay dividends later on in his career. And sure, Suter is older. He's not going to, he's going to play 22 minutes a night, not the, the normal 26 that you're used to him used to seeing him at. But that's okay. Because Haskin is good. Klingberg is good. That defense is going to be great. And the fact that they have four goalies now, they're going to have to cut a couple of them. You're going to see who's going to be the best one out there. But Q Dobin should have a, the number one shot on that. I expect him to get number one there. The next, the backup role, I don't know. Is it going to be Odinger? Is it going to be Ben Bishop again? Or is it going to be Holby? Holby has the experience. He's won a cup in 2018 with the Capitals. Are they going to use that? Or are they going to go younger? Because Odinger did well. He had a 9-1-2 save percentage in the couple of games that he did play in. He's a ba- good backup to Kudobin. Um, but either or, when you have Kudobin back there, when you have your first two lines being as good as they were a couple of years back together, and a solid defense, this team will do decent this year. All right. Tyler, you're not so sure. Yeah. So, I mean, last year was an absolute shit show, as you guys mentioned, for the, for the Dallas Stars. But the year before that, you know, made it all the way to the, to the cup final. You know, I think they're definitely going to be more of that team this year. Um, I do think they're going to be pretty good. Um, just a couple of things that I see with them that are concerning is, is their health, especially with Tyler Sagan. This dude has just been in and out of the injury list for the last couple of years, he his production has not been what it once was. And he's supposed to be one of their top scorers. Obviously they've have, they have a lot more depth of scoring. So they've been able to, you know, kind of um, overcome that a little bit, but I would like to see if Tyler Sagan can be the Tyler Sagan of three or four years ago, this Dallas star team is going to be insanely good. So I would like to see Sagan pick it up a little bit. Um, and then goaltending is insane. Like they definitely have a lot of options, which is good. You know, I would like to see them pick their guy. You know, I think ideally Ben Bishop would be their guy, I think, just because he's got the experience. And I think that he, you know, I think is the guy that they want as their younger guys kind of develop more. Um, but they just have almost, I don't know if this is such a thing in hockey, too, too many goal, like too many goaltenders. I don't know if that's a thing. It's definitely like, you know, in baseball, there's no such thing as too many pitchers. But uh, I feel like in, you know, in hockey, you have your, you have, you have your guy, and you have, you know, your backup and hopefully they're both good. I don't know if I've ever seen a, a team in hockey where you kind of have like the 50, 50 goaltender split that ever actually really works out all that great. So I think they need to, they, they need to tab their guy. And like, this is our number one goaltender. I don't know who that's going to be. Um, so they, I, I think that they should figure that out. Um, so there is a few, few concerns. I definitely don't think they're going to, you know, have an, an elite season, but they're going to be playoff contenders. All right. Lots to unpack here. Uh, I'm going to start with the offense. This team has had an extremely terrible time offensively. They lost the league high 14 games beyond regulation and ranked 28th in winning percentage in one goal games. I would, I would put, a, put money on maybe half to a little over half of hockey games end in a one-goal game. And if you're only winning 30% of them, you have no fucking chance of, of uh, at least making the playoffs is maybe one thing, especially in a, in a division that is so black boxy. But in the, in the playoffs, I, have, I, I really question their ability to, to compete. Um, I think their penalty kill is going is to improve um, once, you get, once you get a lot of those guys back. The goaltending issue is very complicated. Um, you have Anton Hudobin, who he's he's a very solid goaltender. Um, 
uh, as, you know, as long as he's healthy, he's a solid goaltender. Braden Holpe is <laughs> not good. <laughs> he's really not good. Um, he did, he played excellent in his run for the cup. Um, and I'm, and I'm not going to, um, dog him for that, but his move to, to Vancouver was how it kind of ended in, in Washington before that playoff run. Um, Ben Bishop, I think, you know, it seems like he really wants to contribute and if he can contribute, I think it's going to be a hard nose battle for who's going to take the net between Qdobin and, uh, Ben Bishop. Um, I'd, I'd expect Ottinger to be in the minors next, uh, next season. Um, just, just give, unless, unless there's something that happens and Brayton Holpe absolutely sucks and Ben Bishop can't come back, then Ottinger would be the, the backup goaltender there. Um, but I, it's going to be a huge fight. And to your point, Tyler, when you, you're not, you can't split 50, 50, I don't think you need to have a kind of a, a true one, a, and a one B it can't be a, it can't be a 50, 50. That definitely needs to be more like a 65, um, 35 situation. Um, if this team can figure out their offense, they didn't really address it. I don't think, but if they can, if, if they internally can step up, I think this team's going to be a very scary team because I think they're very strong defensively. Um, that's, that's, that's nothing to, that's nothing to be surprised about. So defensively, they're solid offensively question marks, goaltending wise. I just don't know how they're going to manage it. Um, this team's going to be probably playoff bound. I just don't know how well they can do going forward, going into the playoffs, unless they figure out their, their offense. And if they do watch out because they, they can be a steam, they can be a fucking steam train. Um, so moving on to the Minnesota wild. Um, the season last year, they went 35, 16 and five for 75 points. They finished third in the, in the West division, but they lost four to three to the Vegas golden Knights in the first round. Significant gains include all Alex Golgowski, Dmitry Kulikov and, uh, Frederick Goudreau. And we just found out that, um, Kaprizov did sign his contract. So he is staying, um, significant losses include the old guys and the, the heart and souls of the team. In my opinion, Ryan Suter and Zach Krize. They lost Nick Bonino, Carson Susi, and Marcus Johansson. James, you like this team? I do. And it's weird for me to say that because they're pretty boring, according to Alex, and they are 100%. Uh, but there were times last season where they showed that they could be offensively dynamic and be a team with a shutdown defense. There were flashes. They were not sustained. If they can keep that up this year, that's going to be huge for this team because Crow the Throw is a damn good hockey player. The second he stepped on the ice this season – the team became relevant again, not because of the record, but because of the fact that Crow the Thrill is watchable and he's exciting and electric. Like I would honestly, if I went to Minnesota to watch a game, I wouldn't go to watch the Minnesota Wild play. I'd go to watch him play. And that's okay. Sell tickets, get people out there. You get more exciting, more people want to come and see. This offseason, like you'd mentioned, they, they bought out the heart and souls of those teams. But I think that's a message to the younger guys and especially uh, at Erickson Eck to hand over the keys to them. This is now their team. I mean, like they were good early on in their career, but now it's time to accelerate the process and put the keys in their hands. When you lose Ryan Suter and Zach Prese, who's the leader now? You don't really know. Somebody's got to step up and be the leader of this team. Adding Kulikov and Goligowski too on the defensive end is huge. You lose Suter, you add these two guys. All right, not that bad. The biggest thing that they needed to improve on overall is center depth, because right now after Eric's neck, who else do you have? Not really anybody else, because Krill's going to play on the on a, on a wing, and then Fiala is also on a wing and does well. He scored a lot of points there, 
but it's it's the ability for this team to find a leader and find a leader quick that's going to accelerate this team and build a new culture. Gone are the days where you have the media or the good guys, like some good 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 talent on the team that make that bring upon a mediocre record. It's now time to bring on this new culture that hey, we're young, we're exciting, we're high flying, and we're fast. Let's get some wins. Yeah, so I, I'm feeling it for Eric again uh, against Minnesota Wild. Um, Jared Spurgeon as their current captain, I think that's I think that's solid. Um, but to your point, they're they're going to need to find deeper leadership to kind of fill that fill the the void after um, after your old veterans have left. Um, this team did trend in the right direction offensively, and I and and I think a lot of that has to do with uh, Kaprizov and the fact that they did sign him was excellent. The fact that he got nine million dollars is insane that that is absolutely fucking insane to me um but this team has a very solid um they 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 played very well offensively they they did play very well defensively too and they and they and they matched up well against the team in 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 vegas and that and i think that that shows a lot about what this team has to offer um i i don't really have anything against this team because i I would have had everything against this team if they hadn't signed um, Kirill Kaprizov. The fact that they did kind of relieves my, uh, my worries on that. I guess the only thing I really worry about is goaltending. Um, can't their goaltending they're, they're paying a whopping 4.4 million between two goaltenders, one goaltender who's did have a resurgence last year in Cam Talbot and Capo Kakinen, who did play a very, very solid role as a backup at 25 years old. Cam Talbot is a roller coaster. The guy could be high flying. And then all of a sudden, it dips straight fucking down and you have no idea where it's going to go after that. Um, he could show up and have, and be absolute shit, or he could hold the helm like, you know, like he, like he did last year. I don't know what you're going to get. Um, defensively, I have no problems with this team. Uh, and offensively, I think this team showed that they, they made the right, that, that made steps in the right direction. Um, I think losing Nick Benino is, is missing some grit that, that, um, that you kind of need, but they do have Marcus Felino to fill that void. So, I mean, this team's going to be good. This team's going to be vying for a playoff spot. And I think that they ha- will have another chance at a, at a first, uh, second round berth if they, who, who with whomever they play. Um, presumably it's going to be someone in their division. Um, so, you know, they just have to find a way to, to be as strong against, you know, their division as they were against the, the Vegas Golden Knights. Cause if they can, this team's going to be, uh, this team's going to be playoff bound again. Um, so moving on to the Nashville Predators, surprising, very surprising on this one. Who, uh, who picked what on this one? I've got to, I got to be honest. Uh, we're going to talk Nashville Predators last season. Tw- uh, they went 31, 23 and two with 64 points. They did, um, find, um, a playoff spot as they were fourth in the central, but they lost four to two, the Carolina hurricanes in the first round. Significant gains include, included Cody glass, um, Philip Myers and David Riddick. Significant losses include Victor Arvidsson, Ryan Ellis, Pekka Rene, um, Kaya Yonkrok, and Eric Halla. Uh, Tyler, you like this team. And why? I don't know if I like it. It's just kind of what fell into my lap. But, uh, <laughs> but hey, but let's, let's look at, the, at Smashville, shall we? Um, this team <laughs> has kind of been trending downwards in the last few years or so. But I would also say, especially last year, they definitely exceeded, exceeded expectations. They got off to a really bad start, but they ended like the, the last third of their season. I think they had the best record or like top three record in, in the league and ended up making the uh, postseason. Um, 
I think this team, although they're not what they're not what they once were, you know, they're not President's uh, Cup winners anymore. But it seems like the attitude around the organization is they're trying to be what's called a competitive rebuild. So they're not completely going to just strip it down and start from scratch. They still want to compete. They still want to try and make the uh, playoffs. But it's, you know, they're not going to be great. And there's a very realistic chance that they won't make the playoffs this year. But I do like the fact that they're trying to be competitive. And I think that in this division, there is a chance that they could make the playoffs. I think there's a lot of teams that are, I don't, we don't know what to expect from them. They, they, they could not have good seasons and Nashville as they have in the past can exceed expectations. I think they have a culture there that doesn't quit and they're going to keep fighting and they're going to find a way to be in the mix all season long. Um, but on paper, this team is not as good as, 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 as they once were. So that's a concern for me. But I do like what I see from the competitive mindset of the organization and what seems to be a really good culture there in Nashville. Um, so if that all works out, and like I said, they, 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 they get some luck from some teams that fall short, I think they have a chance at making the uh, playoffs this year. James, you jumped off the, uh, the Kittle train as he is driving the uh, the the Predators fan base, because I know he's a huge he's a huge Predators fan, and you just said "fuck you, George Kittle." Why do you not like this team? Because they are bad. That that's the, the <laughs> that's the reason why. Uh, nobody thinks this team is going to be contender, including the front office staff, including the GM, including the owner. You see this in the moves they made this offseason. If they were supposed to be contenders, they wouldn't have traded. Victor Arvidsson to the Kings for draft picks. You wouldn't have traded Ryan Ellis away for two unproven prospects. You don't do that if you're trying to win now. You do that if you're looking towards the future. And Tyler said competitive rebuild. And no, nah, it's just a straight up rebuild at this point, man. Seriously, no, that that's it. Like the only reason why they were so good last season, they started off terribly. But the only reason why they made that playoff push is because UC Saros thrown in his head and played amazing for the last month and a half of the season. Had it not been for him playing the way he did, they would be shit. And I would have won $50 because the Stars have made the playoffs. But I lost $50 because you see Stars is so damn good, <laughs> which is tough. I keep losing money, uh, Alex, man. I know One you day. really do. <laughs> <laughs> one day. Okay, you, you won the, the, the Jack Eichel one, so. I did win that one off you. I guess we don't much. know. We have two more weeks, but it's probably not going to happen. Probably not going to happen. Um, but this defense takes a huge loss with the loss of Ellis because – Really, who else is going to be there right now? Nobody, really. And Saros is going to have to be the guy day in and day out. And if he slips up, you're screwed. Who's the backup? It's not Pecorine. And you're going to have some unproven goaltender come in. Maybe he makes, they make a trade with the freaking the Dallas Stars to pick up one of their goaltenders. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, if you see Saros doesn't play like the way he did towards the end of last season, this national Preds team is not good. They're goaltender dominant without good goaltending play. They have nobody else. There's really just Flip Forsberg and Roman Yossi. Outside of those two, not really there. They did not get better this offseason. They definitely got worse. They're not going to be anywhere close to making the playoffs. Wow. So you have no faith in David Riddick? Zero. You hate Riddick too? Um, I Yes, but but partially because he's he actually has shown solid the ability to play, goal, to play goalie, um, and that's major. Wait, let's talk about the coaching then. For the National Predators, because as soon as they hired this whack guy from the Devils, they've gone downhill. Literally. No, downhill. I have been so I, bad. I, I was about to say that I agree with you, actually. Okay, there we go. Um, <laughs> but 
I will push back and say that David Riddick is a solid goal backup. I mean, I'm like, don't, don't, don't disrespect the backup when he's actually solid. Like he's not like amazing. He's not UC Saros, you know, when, when he was playing, but he is a solid backup, but you're right. They have nobody. Matt Duchesne. I think, I don't know what to think about Matt Duchesne anymore, guys. I, I, I just don't think he's as good as they say he is and what he's getting paid to do. Um, Ryan Johansson is um, Philip Forsberg is he has one more year. This is last year. My guess is um, James, you're right. They're probably going to be out of the playoffs. They're going to flip them to someone who's a contender and he's going to go on a run. Um, Roman Yossi is one of my favorite players in the NHL. um, And he's one of the best captains that Nashville's ever had. And um, it's amazing that he just keeps, you know, is such a, is such a, you know, solid player back there. Uh, I just wish he, he had, uh, you know, a better team or at least, at least he would have won when the team was good. I think this, but I do like the idea of a competitive, a competitive rebuild because you do, you, you did keep Matt Duchesne who is, you know, he does not have a no movement clause. He probably, you probably could retain some and probably could have flipped him. You didn't. So I guess you need some players to play. Um, I mean, anybody at $4 million, you're telling me you wouldn't want him. Come on. You said said he wasn't worth the money. You literally like, he's not worth 8 million. I said, retain half of the contract. Did you listen? No, because you're clearly <laughs> no. Uh, Ryan Johansson, same thing. You're paying him eight million. He could be flipped. Um, Philip Forsberg could have already been flipped. I guess they're gonna keep. Yeah, I guess you you do need players to actually play the game. I mean, that's 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 the reality of it. Don't be surprised if two of those three guys are gone at the at the trade deadline. Um, interestingly, I will be we will be watching Cody Glass because I think he's going to be the next up and coming forward. He this is his first season um, at the NHL level. And at, at, a, at a regular, um, you know, beat. And it'll be interesting to see how he, how he fares. Um, so I agree with you, James. Um, I, you just seem to just all of a sudden hate this team. And I, it's very interesting. They lost um, me money. That, that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, that's fair. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this team um, plays. I don't think they're making the playoffs. Um, and we're going to see a shadow of the form, a really shadow of their former selves once uh, the trade deadline comes around, I think. Um, moving on to the St. Louis Blues, um, who finished 27th, 20 and 9 with 63 points, the fourth in the West Division, and they got completely fucked over by the Colorado Avalanche in the first period or first round. Uh, significant gains include Pavel Vuknevich and Brandon Saad. Significant losses include Mike Hoffman, Jaden Schwartz, Vince Dunn, and Sammy Blaze. So I'm supposed to say um, the strengths of this team and why they're going to be good. And that's very, very hard. Um, they went, they, they were very up and down offensively. Um, I mean, they finished 13th in goals, which is good. Um, Ryan O'Reilly is, I love Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, he, he's the kind of hockey player and leader that every team should strive to have. And when you have that, you, you, you have to try and build up around that. And, and I think that they're going to try. Um, losing Mike Hoffman, that's that's secondary scoring. That's going to be tough, but you do still have Braden Shen, who's a solid player. Tori Krug is a is a very good um, defensive uh, offensive defenseman, and he's gonna and he already made some move, uh, some you know his presence made last season. Um, the the biggest worry for me is Vladimir Tarasenko. I don't know what to expect there. I mean, I don't think he's going to play for them ever again. Uh, it's just what's going to happen. Um, he wasn't protected at the expansion draft. So Seattle had a free pick and they didn't even take him. So it's a wonder, you know, what people are thinking, um, about him. Um, I think his, his, his number is a little bit too high, but there's not much to say. This team's going to be tough. Um, 
I, I just love their defense. They, they struggled defensively, but they also had, you know, Colton Pareko took a step back losing Alec, Alex Petrangelo. I knew would be such a huge miss and, and not having Alex Petrangelo on that back end is just, just really rough. And Jordan Bennington is not good. I think I just made James's, uh, James's life very, very easy because James, why is this team going to be bad? <laughs> because of everything you just said, but I do want to talk more about Jordan Bennington because on paper, it's, it looks like he had a solid year at 0. 0.910 save percentage. But you got to remember he was playing against teams like the Ducks, the Kings, the Sharks, and the Coyotes. So, yeah, your, your goaltender was going to be inflated there. And the back of goaltender, Uso, Uso, sub nine save percentage. And the defense is bad. Tori Krug is was supposed to be. Pachangelo's like next guy up kind of thing. He's not that good at defense, he's more of an offensive defenseman but also didn't score all that much either. So, hey, you lost on both ends there. Yeah, it seems going to be bad. Yeah, there's not much. There's I, I, I just – the biggest thing that I'm going to be watching is what they're going to do with Vladimir Tarasenko. Um, he, I mean, guys, he's a very, very good hockey player. Um, he just has kind of lost his way with this team. Um, he's very frustrated, and I understand that. Ryan O'Reilly's two years left on his contract. I wonder what they're going to do with him. Um at 7.5 for, for Vlad Tarasenko. I don't know what they're going to do. So stay tuned. Who knows? Um, rounding out the central division is the lonely team in Canada for this division. And that's the Winnipeg jets. Um, last season, they finished 30, 23 and three for six, three points. They finished third in the North division. They swept the Edmonton Oilers in the first round, but they got swept by the Montreal Canadians in the second round. Um, significant gains. They gained Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon, um, two very, very solid defensemen. Uh, they lost Mason Appleton and uh, Laurent Brossois. Um, I'm supposed to be talking about the Winnipeg Jets on behalf of our boy, Eric. <sighs> the Jets. Look, this team, th- this team has a lot of offensive talent. You got, you got Mark Shifley, you got Kyle Connor, Blake Wheeler, Nik- Nikolai Ehlers. Those, those, five, those four dudes are just excellent up front. You also have Pier- Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, I think that this is a huge opportunity for Pierre-Luc Dubois to find a spot in the NHL as a solid perennial third line center. And this is the team that he's going to, this is the team that he's going to have one more shot at um, with it. Um, So offensively, I have no problems. You have also have the best American goaltender on this planet right now. And and that's in Connor Hellebuck. No worries there. Um, So Really, I think that, that I think that they're just going to have to play the, um, you know, you know the, the offensive game. They're going to be the Chiefs of the uh, of the of the uh, NHL. They have fiery, fiery offense. Their defense is the question. Um, uh, so that's 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 I think that they're going to they're probably going to make the playoffs. They're going to be a wild card team. Um, I just don't know if they if they're built for the for the depths. They need to figure out um, their defense. But Alex, why is this team going to be bad? I mean, I don't think they're going to be bad. Like, they're not on the level of the Sabres or the Ducks. See how I said Ducks there, James? <laughs> uh, You're not wrong, dude. It's like, I got no comment. Like, I mean, like, right. um, I just – we've talked about this now, like, with a couple of teams. I feel like this is, like, maybe the fourth team that I've said this about. They didn't go either direction. Like, they're not a team trending up. They're not a tre- team that's trending into a rebuild trying to get better they feel like they're going you know just sideways and you know they had a great opening series in the playoffs last year for people who aren't Oilers fans 
uh, and then got destroyed by the Canadians. So like that feels very indicative of what this team is like. They can be very good and they can be very mediocre all at the same time. And I think they're somewhere in the middle. Um, I agree with you, Traden. I think there'll be fighting for a wild card, maybe like the third spot in this division if they finish on a hot streak. But we talked about this last year. Connor Hellebuck has had to deal a lot of pressure. He plays a lot of minutes. They don't really have a backup. Their defense is terrible. Like he can only hold up for so long with something like that. Um, you know, they traded their star player away in line A. They got, you know, what you're saying, Pierre-Luc Dubois back. He needs to step it up. I just don't have a whole lot of confidence that this team is going in any sort of direction. Like, either try to make moves to make your franchise better and really fight for a top spot or blow it up and start over because they don't seem to be going anywhere. So they just feel like a very mediocre middle of the pack team, you know, with Hellebuck in the net, you never know. He could carry them through a bunch of playoff series, but their defense needs to be better, but they'll, you know, they'll beat teams. And it wouldn't surprise me if they won a playoff series, but they don't feel like a team that is like a real cup contender to me. Yeah. Um, biggest problem with this team. Um, I, I, I don't know how to equate this in, in even NFL terms or a position like this. They don't have a top defender who just soaks up minutes. They don't have that. I almost think of it as a established running back. Like that's the guy that gets that establishes your running game that they don't have a defender that can do that. And when you don't yet, you have, you, have, you maybe have a deep line of defenders, but you know, you don't have a guy that soaks up minutes against the best. And I think that that's going to be their downfall again this year. And with that, that ends the central division. We will round out the entire league next, uh, next week. When we talk about the Pacific division, everybody's going to be ready for that one. It's very, very fun because it's all teams that we really give a shit about. Um, and I can't wait. We are two weeks away. I'm so excited. Yes, thank you, Traden. The Central Division, probably the most confusing division out of all four, I would say, to predict uh, where teams are going to land, how any, any of those teams can make the playoffs, and any of them could miss it, except for the Colorado Avalanche, who are going to be legit. Um, yeah, so we got one more next week. Uh, we're going to take one final break, and then James is going to switch it up with uh, fantasy football kind of recaps and predictions coming this week. So I'll let you tell him, I'll let him tell you about that just a little bit. Week three of the NFL season is officially over as we're talking right now. James, fantasy situations, all that fun stuff. What are we doing? How do we do this? Take it away. <laughs> doing a fantasy wave wire once again for week three of the NFL season. A little wrinkle here. We're going to do a for and against just like I did my previews. And then the against person gets to suggest a person at that position that they're covering who is better than the person I picked. So this, this should be fun. We're going to start, start off at quarterback here, and I picked Sam Darnold from Carolina. The dude put up 25 points, 23 completions, 34 out of 34 attempts, 304 yards. Also added eight carries for 11 yards and two touchdowns. The Adam Gase effect, guys. Adam Gase is such a bad coach. Every time people leave Adam Gase, they explode. Case in point, Sam Darnold. He has the fifth highest overall point total for any of QB in the league in fantasy this, 
week. He's averaged 21 points over the last three games in years past in the Adam Gase system. I think he averaged 11. Huge turn around there. Right now, he's showing a great relationship with DJ Moore and, and with McCaffrey out for an extended period of time. Sorry, Alex. They're probably going to throw a lot more than they expected to early on. The next couple of weeks, they play some pretty terrible defenses. Dallas, which actually looked pretty decent tonight. They sacked Jalen Hurts probably seven, eight times. But for the most part, that's not a good defense. Then they play Philadelphia, who got smacked by Dallas. Then Minnesota. And then the Giants. And then Atlanta. Sam Darnold might be a start for the next six weeks because of all the defenses that they're playing against. It's going to be high scoring for the most part. Case in point, Sam Darnold's going to throw a whole lot more. Trayden, what do you think, man? I actually disagree. Um, here's the reason why. Uh, when you lose, <laughs> I'm going to go back to what I said last segment. We, you potentially lost your, your, uh, your running game. And in my opinion, if you lose CMC, and I know he's not for sure, but he it looks like he's on the IR. When you lose CMC and that established running game, that's how you build out the, the passing game. That's how you build out your offense. And losing him, I think, I think is going to be, be have an effect. Also, so you're going to, you're actually, the, the backup's going to be, um, the backstop's going to be the guy you're going to talk about next, um, I believe. Um, interestingly, the Cowboys defense, at least before today, ranks sixth in yards against on running uh, on the running game. So they're going to, if they shut that down, I think that, I think that Sam Donald's going to have a little bit tougher time figuring out the offense without that establishment of the running game. Um, that's why I, I say that Kirk cousins is your better option. Um, he's, he's owned in 32% of leagues. Kirk cousins has a little bit better depth as well. Um, in, you know, he, he, they have, I'm sorry, let me pull it up. They have, you know, just Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen and Tyler Conklin, who I'm going to talk about a little bit later. He had, he's starting to establish a little, he's starting to have a little bit more weapons there. Um, to your, to, to my, to, to combat my own point though, that their running game was a little bit su- suspect, but I just think that the, that Kirk cousins a little bit, a little bit more experienced. He's outperformed Sam Donald in terms of points week by week. And I think that his weapons are a little bit more established than, um, than in Sam Darnold. And I just think that he's going to, he, he might see a little bit more of a struggle um, if he doesn't have CMC to, um, to establish that running game for him. I like that. Good stuff trading. Moving on to the running back position that trading alluded to beautifully a second ago. I picked Chuba Hubbard out of also Carolina. He put up 10.9 points on 11 carries for 52 yards. He also had three catches and 27 yards. All this happened from the second quarter on. CMC, like I had mentioned earlier, has a hamstring strain. It's going to be on IR potentially, according to Trayton. So he's going, to, he's going to miss some time. And it's always good to have a number one running back on any team, especially a number one running back on a team that has shown to give the ball to one running back. They don't play like a two running back system. They don't do the, the four Niners, Kyle Shanahan stuff where they switch up running backs like every other play. In Matt Rule system, in Carolina system, you play one running back and one running back only for 98% of the time. And this is going to be Chuba Hubbard. He had a great time at Oklahoma State. He's a good – he was a good college running back. He can handle the workload. He's younger. He doesn't have the miles and miles and miles of wear and tear that NFL running backs do. And the number one, off, number one running back in a Carolina offense typically does well. And I get he is not Christian McCaffrey by any means. He's not the runner. He's not the receiver that Christian McCaffrey is. But can you fill in for a couple of weeks? I believe so. Next up, they play the same exact teams that I mentioned earlier. Dallas, Philadelphia, Minnesota. 
the Giants and Atlanta. Trading said that the Dallas Cowboys are a pretty good running defense. That's okay. Chuba Hubbard can catch the ball. It's cool. Todd, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, he's going to be the guy for Carolina for the, at least the next few weeks. And as you mentioned, those teams, you know, the Dallas does have a good uh, running defense, but those other three, those other three teams, Eagles, Vikings, Giants, you know, th- those guys are averaging over 100 rush yards allowed per game. Um, those are teams that you can see Hubbard really putting up some good points against. Um, like I said, eventually, you know, McCaffrey will return, but just looking in the short term, next three or four weeks, uh, this dude's a solid option on running back and, you know, running backs can hurt a lot of time. So I'm sure someone out there is looking for someone to pick up to fill that RB2 slot. So I think Hubbard's a great option. Alex, you have Christian McCaffrey and he's out for an extended period of time, but you chose to be against Chuba Hubbard. Why is that? Uh, it's mostly because I just want to believe that Christian McCaffrey's not out for an extended period of time. <laughs> uh, I'm just doing this as a full shot and a prayer that he <laughs> will come back sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, but you're right. I mean, unfortunately, like, you're right. You know, Chuba Hubbard, Alexander Madison, all those guys that are backups to, you know, number ones that are could potentially get hurt, just like Dalvin Cook was out last week on my other fantasy team uh you want those guys like if if you have a christian mccaffrey uh dalvin cook anyone like that you want chuba hubbard you want alexander madison like he'll be a good fill-in he's probably not going to be someone that's going to win you your league because christian mccaffrey is coming back uh (laughs) like a week from now definitely um but i mean there's it's hard to say too much about him, especially with the teams that, you know, they're coming up against. And this Carolina team looks good. Like they've, they've beat who they're supposed to beat. They're, you know, Sam Darnold's been playing well. You, you know, he, he's a start. So, but Chris McCaffrey's still coming back. Is there anybody else you pick up? That's not Chuba Hubbard. Um, Giovanni Bernard could be an option. Both Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones Jr. have been a disappointment. Um, he's, only owned in 11.9% of leagues right now. He scored 20 points against the Rams defense this last week. Um, Bruce Arians has always been a coach where if you're, you fuck up, like you could be out. Like Ronald Jones could have a great first half and fumble on the last play of the first half and you won't see him again. Um, and Giovanni Bernard is probably the better or best cast pass, pass catcher out of those three, um, you know, in a, he performed against the Rams defense, scored 20 points. So if shot in the dark, Giovanni Bernard could be that guy. But that's probably – you, you got to be pretty desperate, I think. I actually really like that pick because the Ram, or the Buccaneers cannot get a running game going. The leading rusher for the Buccaneers last game against the Rams was Tom Brady. And you have Rojo and you have Leonard Fournette. And Tom Brady was your leading rusher with, I think, seven yards or some, 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 some stupid like that. So they're probably going to be passing out of the backfield. And to your point, Alex, Giovanni Bernard was a captain for the Cincinnati Bengals as a backup running back. So he has a maturity. He doesn't mess up. He takes accountability. He's a pro's pro. He's a professional. Everybody loves Giovanni Bernard. Love that pick. Moving on to the wide receiver position, I'm picking Emmanuel Sanders from Buffalo. 26.4 points, which is the fifth highest from the week. Five out of six or five catches on six targets, 94 yards and two touchdowns against a Washington defense who, albeit, has underperformed thus far. Needless to say, Emmanuel Sanders has been targeted a bunch 
and he's out there for 90% of snaps. The dude averages seven targets per game in a Josh Allen-led offense. The same Josh Allen that traded and talked shit on last week went off for 36 points to leave me just utterly destroyed this year, this week. Teams right now are doubling Stephon Diggs, which leaves Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders open. When it comes to talent and talent alone, Emmanuel Sanders is a superior wide receiver to Cole Beasley. Emmanuel Sanders has the pedigree. He's played on great teams and been a great wide receiver in all those teams. Next up, they play the Texans, who honestly aren't as bad offensively as I thought they were going to be. Davis General Mills is a decent quarterback. Brandon Cooks is good. It's going to be a high-scoring game, and we all know the Buffalo Bills are going to score a lot. So are the Houston Texans, and both defenses are terrible. I expect the Manning Sanders to go off on this. Alex, what do you think? I mean, you guys know Josh Allen is my boy. Trading talk shit, and then he went off for five TDs last week. Oh, I should have started Daniel Jones. Got 15 <laughs> fucking points trading. Okay. Yeah, 16.54. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he got less than half of what Josh Allen got. He did. Josh Allen's the man. He's going to continue to be the man. Same thing. They're playing the Texans. Their defense is terrible. It's going to be a shootout. They're going to score a lot of points. Stephon Diggs is still wide receiver one. But you're right. He's going to get a lot of the focus, especially after this season that Stephon Diggs had last year, where he kind of exploded onto the scene. And now you get Emmanuel Sanders, wide receiver two slash three, depending on how you want to look at it. And also when you look at the Bills offense, like Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, there's not like that one running back. Your one running back is Josh Allen. So there's not going to be a ton of, you know, run plays that are taking away from possible pass plays from Josh Allen. Emmanuel Sanders seems like a really good, like flex flex option. He's probably not, you know, your wide receiver one wide receiver two, but he could go off again this next week. Otherwise Alex wrong. Here's the thing about Sanders is he had a great week three, but there's other two weeks, not really starting in your fantasy lineup worthy. I think this dude's a very boomer bust. So if you want to take a shot at it and you, and you're really good with matching up and you think like, Oh, I, I think Sanders is going to have a really good week. If you're really that in tune with how the bills offense is going to go. Sure. But I don't think most people probably aren't that in tune with that kind of stuff. And for me, he's just too inconsistent to rely on to be in your starting lineup. Maybe have him on your bench and have him in there during a bye week and just hope he does well, I guess. But I think there are other options that, may not give you the ceiling that Sanders can give you, but he's going to give you more consistent points. Um, and who would that be? So for me right now, the guy that's on the waiver wire that I think is probably the most consistent is Sammy Watkins. Um, he's had a pretty decent start to this season. Um, he's, he's, been, he's averaged about 10.4 points, and he's been pretty consistent. I mean, he, I think he put up 13, like 8.6, and then, and then 10 point something. Um, so – Pretty consistent point scoring there from, from Sammy Watkins. He's owning about 30% of leagues in, in, in ESPN. He's a guy that, you know, he's going to – if you need a flex option and you need someone to fill in that hole, like he's probably going to give you 10 solid points. And for a flex option, that's pretty decent. Like I said, it's not going to get – he's not going to be your top guy. You know, hopefully everyone else on your team is playing a lot better. But he's going to give you 10 solid points, which in a lot of fantasy matchups can be the difference maker versus – you put Sanders in there and yeah, he go off for 26 or he can give you four points. It just, for me, he's too inconsistent to put in my uh, lineup. 
I'm going to fire back real fast on Sammy Watkins here. So Sammy Watkins plays the Baltimore Ravens, right? The Baltimore Ravens have two wide receivers on IR, but are currently now practicing with the team. Wide receivers are Rashad Bateman, the rookie, who is a massive guy who we all, I think we all predicted that he, Rashad Bateman would be drafted by the Ravens, and he did. He's good. Miles Boykin is a good veteran wide receiver as well. So these guys are going to come back, and they're going to come back either this week or next week. Does that bother you? The fact that now Sammy Watkins has competition. Because even though uh, Hollywood Brown had his drops in that game, he dropped like five open passes, he is still the number one on that team. So the competition for number two is now up in the air between Sammy Watkins, Rashad Bateman, and Miles Boykin. Does that worry you? Sure. I mean, and, you know, when it comes to competition, it's the same reason why it worries me with Sanders. Like, if, if Diggs and Beasley are in that lineup for the Bills, like, I just don't trust him to be one of the, their top two guys. So it, it's waiver wire picks, right? So you're not going to get a number one or two guy. But I think Watkins has proven himself to be a valuable option for that Ravens uh, receiver core. I think he's put up some good numbers early, and I think he's going to have a higher consideration even though those guys come back. You know, he's not going to be a one or two. He's going to be a three. Like I said, he's going to be a flex option um, early on this season. I think he's putting up numbers consistent enough to have him be in your uh, lineup for a flex. Good stuff, Tyler. Good job. Moving on to the tight end position, last but not least, I picked Tyler Conklin out of Minnesota. This dude came out of nowhere. It's like literally maybe had two or three or four points this one first, first two weeks, but he put up 20 points this last weekend, which led all tight ends. Seven receptions on eight targets for 70 yards and one touchdown. And to be honest, I, we should have all seen this coming because Kirk Cousins likes, likes to throw short and Irv Smith Jr. is on IR for the entire season who is the number one tight end stepping up is Tyler Conklin and nobody else is challenging him for one snap on that team because at the tight end position, it's Tyler Conklin and Tyler Conklin only uh, right now, because of the fact that Madison is up there is playing and Dalvin cook is out. They're more likely to throw short to Conklin and Justin Jefferson's a slot guy. And um, Adam Thielen's also a slot guy, but they run vertical as well, leaving the middle of the field that's short to Tyler Conklin. I think he's going to be a good pickup this year. This week, they're playing against Cleveland. Um, Cleveland's a pretty good defense, but it's middle of the pack against tight ends, and they give up an average of 12 points to a tight end per game. Trade, what do you think? Well, I can hear someone asking, but James, what about Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen? Here's the thing about Kirk Cousins. The guy likes to give it away. He's like, oh, you want the ball? You're doing well? You get the ball? Oh, you get a ball. Oh, you get a ball. That's him. That's freaking Kirk Cousins, baby. Tyler Conklin comes in in a position that the Vikings are st- were starving for, and he delivered. And that's gonna keep him. That's gonna keep him on almost every single fucking snap for the rest of the season. And as and if he's he's gonna be a huge part of that offense, especially if they can get to the red zone. I mean, he's gonna he 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 could be a huge red zone um, red zone tight end for someone that th- this tight end position is already tough, but we're already seeing it like issues with 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 some with some of these guys. Um, you know, no, I look at you know I look at my own Noah Fant who had a pretty good first couple weeks, kind of took a drop off. I don't know where where he's gonna go. He hasn't really broke out, and you see Tyler Conklin's gonna be an established tight end in in an offense that is doing fairly well this season. Um, so I actually, li- I, I like that pick. I, I think that that's our, it's easily the best pick of the, uh, of the waiver wire for a position that nobody fucking knows. I mean, nobody exactly. fucking knows. So, um, great pick. You're absolutely right. And I think we did 
dude, I think you're like our tight end guy because last week we both went on Dawson Knox and he did decently well. He did. It's all it's all good, man. You're the tight end guy. And uh, that pretty much wraps up my waiver wire section, ladies and gentlemen. Hope it helps you out this week. Thank you, James. Uh, does this waiver wire section fix Christian McCaffrey's hamstring or how does that how does that work? Because I'm it, it I'm might a, it might. Okay, cool. So Christian, <laughs> I'm obviously I'm assuming you're listening. Uh, your hamstring should be fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, thank you, James. Uh, super helpful as always. Um, that wraps it up with Eric not here. Just three segments tonight. As always, everyone, you know, if you hate us, tell your friends. If you like us, also tell your friends. Um, you know, Twitter, Instagram, all the things. TikTok, apparently. YouTube, not Facebook. Um, other than that, everyone have a great week and we'll talk to you next time.